several years ago, uh, a bunch of years ago now, that I was actually asked that question on Facebook. Like, you know, when I started a Facebook account, asked you, like, what's your religion? And I remember, like, struggling with that for a minute because, you know, I think at first I typed in, well, I'm a Christian, but actually when I began to think about it, I thought, you know what, there's a whole lot of people out there who think really weird things about Christians. And so I erased Christian and I put in, I am a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. Because you know what, there's a lot of people who do think that Christians are those people who are angry, who are judgmental, who are oftentimes hypocritical. You know, and unfortunately, there are Christians who have uh, kind of given them the reason to think that way. It's sad, but it, it is true. And I want to be really clear when people get to know me that, that am I a Christian? Yeah, I am. But here's the bigger deal. I am a follower of Jesus. You know, it's like if you get to know me, my hope is that what you would see is that I am, well, I'm, I'm absolutely imperfect. However, if you, if you get beyond the imperfections, you're going to see that I really want to follow Jesus with my life. I want to look like him. I want to talk like him. I want to act like him. I want to love like Jesus loves. Listen, this is my lifelong pursuit. I want to be a follower of Jesus. How about you? It was in the book of John that, that Jesus was even reflecting back about, you know, God being a good shepherd. And he says that, hey, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. We're all called to be followers of Jesus. In fact, church, you're, you're just part of the big flock, right? We're this flock of Jesus followers. I love that. We are a community of Jesus followers, that's who we are. Are we Christians? Absolutely. But I'm telling you, our passion should be following after Jesus. And last week, we began this conversation about following Jesus. And in particular, how do we follow him when we have decisions that we are processing? We make decisions all the time. Some big, some small but they're so important how we like lean into those decisions. Do, are we going to go to the left? Are we going to go to the right? Are we going to follow Jesus? Are we going to take another path? Right? I mean, just think about all the, all the d decisions that we have to process, all the decisions we have to make. You know, there's, there's where we're going to live. You know, are we going to live in this city or are we going to choose a different city? You know, what job are we going to go after? Who am I going to date? Should I date this person or should I wait for another, maybe better option to come along? How about this one? Which candidate should I vote for? I mean, I think a lot of people are asking that question these days. Or will I tell the whole truth to my spouse or to a friend? Listen, these decisions are so important because how we choose will actually determine much of the outcome of our stories. 
And last week we began this conversation by looking at the life of Paul, the Apostle Paul, and we were looking in the book of Acts and we were seeing a couple of different major ways that God will lead us, like as the good shepherd. You know, he'll, his voice is leading us. And, and so we talked about a couple of those. There, there's a supernatural way that God can lead us. And we saw that Paul was led through prophetic words and, and even this amazing vision. But there's also natural ways that God will lead us as well through opening doors, closing other doors, and God will lead us that way. I I encourage you, if you missed last week's message, go back and you can pick it up on YouTube or Facebook or uh, you're gonna find it if you you look for it. But listen, I wanna get to this third way that God leads us because I really believe that that oftentimes this next process that we see in Paul being led by the Lord, we're going to see that this is something that we have to deal with all the time as we are processing decisions. And this is the third way. It is a process of discernment. Discernment is something that we need regularly in our lives. And it's one of the marks of spiritually mature people is that they know how to get into this process of spiritual discernment. Before we get to the book of Acts, I'm gonna take you to the book of Hebrews because uh, the author of Hebrews talks about discernment and how it's part of a spiritually mature person's life. Check this out. It's in Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. And he says this, says, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Now, why was he saying this? Why was he saying that, man, some of you are just so immature. You guys are like spiritual babies. Listen to what he says. He says, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is Right. See, solid food is for those who are what? Who are mature. Who through training have the skill to discern. I like that. Through training have the skill to discern the difference between right and wrong. Listen, if you want to be spiritually mature, I think this is great news for us because it says through training, we can actually develop the skills of discernment and become spiritually mature people. And discernment is needed whenever there are competing ideas that are difficult to resolve. So what we're going to do here, we're going to dive into Acts chapter 15. We're going to go into training with Paul and see if we can pick up some of the skills that he and the church exhibited, because I think these are the same skills of discernment that we need in our lives as well. Now, it's in Acts 15 that it traces a story that begins and ends in the city of Antioch. This was a bicultural city, and guess what? The church there in Antioch was a bicultural church. It was filled with Jews and non-Jews, Gentiles, like many of us. 
but a major problem arose there at the church in Antioch. There were two competing ideas, and as you're going to see, they were not easily resolved. They were going to need some big-time discernment. But rather than kind of going to the beginning of the story, we're going to start, I'm going to take you to the end of the story, because as we look at a couple of verses, verses 27 and 28 in Acts 15, what we're going to see is we're going to see the goal of discernment. We're going to see that there was a couple of people who were being sent back to Antioch to to give the news, to give the report on what had been discerned. But if you listen to this closely, what you're going to hear is you're going to hear actually what the goal, I believe, is discernment on any time that we're trying to make a decision and follow after Jesus. So check this out. In verses 27 and 28 of Acts 15, this is the end of the story. It says, we are sending Judas. This is not that Judas. This is like another guy named Judas. We are sending Judas and Silas to confirm what we have decided concerning your question. For it seemed, oh, listen to these words, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Those are some remarkable words right there. I want you to just listen to those again. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. Now listen, the goal of all spiritual discernment is to do these very things that they, that they concluded in Antioch. The goal of all spiritual discernment is to come to a decision that is pleasing to both God and to you. I think that's pretty cool. And, and I think it gives me a lot of hope. I mean, there's this incredible feeling that we can have when we have processed a, a decision, when we've said, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow after Jesus in this decision that I'm making to the best of my ability. And I believe what happens is that when we do that, we actually put a smile on God's face. It's like it is pleasing to God that we are pursuing him in a way that we're saying, God, I just want to follow after you. I don't want to follow after my own pursuits. I don't want to follow after other people. I want to follow after you. And you know what? That pleases God. And I know what I've found in my own life, and I think it's reflected here, is that when we live lives that are set on pleasing God, guess what happens? Well, not only does God get a smile on his face, but we have a smile on our face too. And it's not like this like mocking kind of a smile, you know, check out what I got away with, you know? I made this decision over here and it's like, I'm pretty smug about that, right? That's not the kind of smile that it puts on our face. When we make a decision that pleases God, I believe that there is a smile that goes all the way to our soul, right? That smile that goes all the way through our bones and it is the smile of just contentment. It's like, wow, God, I am so thankful that I followed after you in this decision that I was processing. And God, I believe that it pleases you and that makes me happy too. So 
What we're going to do now is we're going to jump back to the beginning of Acts chapter 15 and figure out what was going on that they needed to come to this point of discernment and this decision that was good to the Holy Spirit and to them. Okay? So we're jumping back to the beginning of the story, Acts 15, verses 1 and 2. And this is what we read. It says, while Paul and Barnabas were in Antioch, right? I told you that's where the story begins and where it ended. While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers this. Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. And it says, Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. I love that word. I don't use it very often, but I think it's one that we should all put in our, in our vocabularies. Vehement, right? I mean, they were, vehement. they were passionately arguing with these people. You're wrong. This is not what the gospel is about. But then it says this. Finally, the church decided, well, it decided that they weren't going to be able to just figure this out on their own. It says, finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. Now listen, remember, discernment is always needed whenever there are competing ideas that are not easily resolved. Now, there's some things we face in life, some decisions that really don't require discernment. They just require obedience, right? Because God's like really clear. Like, God, should I, should I, should I go to this party and get drunk? All right? nah, no, you don't need discernment about that. Just obey the Lord. You know, God's word is really clear. Don't get drunk with wine, okay? Don't get drunk. So we don't really need discernment about that. But we may need discernment if it's like, God, I... I was invited to this party. I know that there's going to be people that are drinking there. I am, I'm really wrestling with this. And so then we need to go into a process of discernment. And I believe that some of the answer we may, may receive back from the Lord on this, how he may lead you may be a little different than he leads me based on our background, our stories, you know, what temptations are really strong in our life, whether we would be able to go and really be uh, there to build relationship with people and even be a witness for Jesus or not, right? So discernment is needed when there are competing ideas that are not easily resolved. And that's exactly what was happening in Acts chapter 15. This that they were facing right here in Acts 15 was a very big deal because it gets right to the heart of salvation itself. These people came to Antioch and said, hey, you guys can't be saved unless you're circumcised. What were they doing? Why were they saying this? Well, they were Jews. And they were still kind of dealing with uh, this, this wrestling match in their own stories about being people who were familiar with the old covenant. They were kind of old covenant believers who had met Jesus, right? They'd given their lives to Christ, but they, they still thought, man, all Christians have to maintain all of the regulations and requirements of the old covenant, right? That was written for Jews. And, and one of those was you had to be circumcised, 
And so now they were going out and telling everyone, including non-Jews, hey, if you're not circumcised, you can't be saved. Well, Paul was like, no way. It's like Jesus came and went to the cross to finish that old covenant along with all of its all of its requirements and brought a new way of relationship with God that's through grace. And so what happens here is that there's these two competing ideas and they're huge. They're like this is a big deal because the how the church would decide at this moment well actually it impacts your life and mine the outcome of our decisions will really affect the outcome of our lives. So, so let's see what happens here. How did they respond? How did they go through a process of discernment? I think we're going to pick up some things right here that are going to be very practical steps in how we can move into discernment also, like the church did right here. So, Listen carefully to these next two verses because what you're going to hear is you're going to actually hear the first two practical things that they did to move into discernment. You ready? Now we're in verses 6 and 7 of Acts 15. So it says, so Paul and Barnabas arrived and it says, so the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting... After a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them. So in, this, uh, in these couple of verses, I believe there's the first two things that they did right to really get after a heart of discernment. And here's the first thing that they did in this process of discernment. They included faith-filled leaders in the conversation. I believe that any time that we're really needing to discern something, that we should not do it in isolation. That we should include wise, faith-filled people. And that's exactly what they did. That's why they even traveled to Jerusalem because that was kind of the headquarters at that point for the church. So they went back to the headquarters to find the apostles and elders. In other words, they didn't just seek out people down the street, right? They, they didn't flip over to Oprah to see what she was thinking or, you know, go to Dr. Phil. They actually sought out. I mean, they went on a journey, and this was a journey to get to Jerusalem from where they are. You can kind of Google it and see how far apart Antioch and Jerusalem was. This was not, these were not neighboring areas. They searched out people who would not just kind of give them maybe what they wanted to hear. They sought out people who were both wise and filled with faith. And you may be saying, hey, they searched out apostles and elders. I don't, I don't know where I'm going to find an apostle today. Well, listen, me neither. But here's what you can know. They sought out elders In other words, they sought out people who had lived more life than they had, that probably had more experiences, even maybe similar to these, and they were people who had not lost their faith along the journey. See, that brings me really real hope because I think all of us can find elders in our lives if we seek them out, right? People who have lived more life, had more experience with these sort of things and have not lost their faith along the way, but have stayed committed and faithful to Jesus. 
Man, I am so thankful for the elders that God has placed in my life. Man, and it's an honor whenever somebody comes and knocks on my door and counts me as one of those elders. But you don't have to come to me. There's lots of people, I believe, not only in our church, but maybe other people in your life and maybe some that you're even related to. Maybe there's a grandparent who's, man, just faithfully followed Jesus or, 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 or a neighbor or, or someone that you know. But, hey, if, if all bets are off, come to me. I'll help you find one if I'm not the right elder for you. But listen, people who make decisions in isolation, like people that make decisions, they could try to discern things, but they're doing it kind of trapped in their, their own bubble of their own ideas and their own life experiences. I believe that those are people who often come to the wrong conclusions. We need to include other people in our story as we're going through processes of discernment. And as we do that, let's find wise people who are also faith-filled people. And that's the first thing that they did. But there's another thing that was in that verse there too. I don't know if you caught it, but it says that when they went and had these discussions with the apostles and elders, it says, after a long discussion. And this brings us to the second, I think, really practical point about processes of discernment. And that's this that they were not in a rush. A process of discernment can't be done in a rush. They had a long discussion. In other words, they weren't just rushing to find a quick answer. They were committed to finding the right answer. Even if that right answer was gonna take them a long trip and a long time, they were processing this deeply. And most of the time, that means that we're not just gonna come to a snap decision. I want you to look at two Proverbs with me from, from the book of Proverbs that are about being in a rush. The first one is Proverbs 19.2. that says, enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. Man, that right there sounds a lot like what I was like in junior high, right? Enthusiasm without knowledge. And it's no good because haste may, makes mistakes. Or you could just ask my wife, and that may have been me yesterday. I don't know, junior high or yesterday, but it's true. Haste makes mistakes. But look at this second proverb. Proverbs 21, 5 says this, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Listen, so often, you know, because we're living in this like microwave culture where we want things like right now, and we're just, you know, we're just used to Googling uh, any question that we have or asking Alexa, you know, like, you know, whatever. And we want those responses immediately. We want them right now, in this moment. And listen, if you're looking for a new salsa recipe, that probably is an okay idea. But that is not how we go about discernment because there is no shortcut to wisdom. We don't just get wisdom instantly. Most of the time it takes time. 
long discussions, right? That's how we come to a process of discernment. So they included wise, faith-filled people. They took enough time to have long discussions. But the third thing they did is that they remembered what God has done. They just reflected back on, hey, what has God done in our story? So I want you to look at the very next verses. It's Acts 15, 7 through 11. So at the meeting, after this long discussion, Peter stood up and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so they could hear the good news and believe. God made no distinction between us and them. In other words, between Jews and Gentiles. For he cleansed their hearts. How? Not through circumcision, but through faith. We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. So what did, he, what did they do? After this long discussion, he stands up and he says, hey, we need to remember what God has done. Like, remember, he, he called me to go to the Gentiles. And remember, he, he called me not to like preach the old covenant, but the new covenant. Because, because what, we, what we know is that all of us are saved the same way. It's by Jesus' undeserved grace. Friends, it's because of the cross But listen, we can become very forgetful people. I think it's a tendency of humanity to forget what God has done in our lives, right? We become kind of, I think, like the Israelites when they left uh, the nation of Egypt where they had been in slavery for 400 years, right? It's like, man, wouldn't they be rejoicing? Well, they did some rejoicing. I mean, they were just set free from 400 years of slavery. But as soon as they hit difficulties, right, as soon as there was like kind of competing ideas going on even in their own soul, you know what they did? They forgot what God had done. And they were so forgetful that as soon as they hit hardship, they said, let's go back to Egypt. Wow. I mean, I think that's unfortunately the story of a lot of people who are forgetful, even who are believers. It's like, man, God's done so much in my life. This is so awesome. But they hit a hardship. And what do they want to do? It's like, I'm going to just toss all of this out. And I want to go back to the same slavery that I was in. Right? I mean, they forgot so much about how God rescued them. Right? All the way up to the Red Sea where where God just opens up a path before them and rescues them. And if that wasn't enough... Then God closes the Red Sea over their enemies so that they could never again be taken by Egypt back into slavery. I mean, God did so much for them to rescue them and to resource them, but they were forgetful. Like, listen, over and over, we see in God's word that we are to remember, don't forget God's benefits. But oftentimes we do. And I think we should just, we need to come back to places of remembrance. What has God done for 
you and for me. How has he strengthened you over the last six months? I mean, there's a global pandemic coming, you know, our, 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 that has come to our world. But let me ask you this. You're still standing. I mean, you, you haven't gone away. You're, you're still here. What has God done to strengthen you? Maybe you could reflect back on who has God brought alongside of you in your story to bring you help? What joys do you have in your life because of experiencing the love and freedom of God? Maybe you need to remember back to where has God brought healing, not just to your body, but to your heart, to your soul? And, man, what slavery has God freed you from just the way he freed those Israelites? When we forget what God has done, we forfeit the ability to walk in discernment. We need to remember what God's done, friends. We need to bring that back to our memory when we are in a process of discernment. Because we didn't just all of a sudden pop here into, onto this page of history. There's a lot of story that's gone before us. And we need to go back and remember and say, God, I'm making a decision right here and right now about some important things. So I want to go back and remember what you've done along the way in my story to get me to this point. And oftentimes when we look back, we often find our way forward. But they didn't just kind of remember what God had done. Here's the fourth and final thing they did. They rehearsed what God had said. So they remembered what he'd done, but then they rehearsed what God had said. They literally turned to scripture. And so when Peter was done remembering and reflecting on what God had done, James jumps up and we see this in verses 13 and 15 because it says when they had finished, James stood and said this. Read along verses 13 and 15. Brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for himself, right? He's like saying, hey, Peter's just told us this. And this conversation, or, or this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted. As it is written. And you can go and read along with what James quotes, but he actually goes back to the prophet Amos where God promises to bring salvation to the Gentiles. So they remembered what God had, had done, but then they rehearsed, this is what God has said. They turned to the word of God. They opened the scriptures. Listen, spiritual discernment will always be in alignment with God's word. If you're ever hearing a voice and you think this may be Jesus, like summoning me forward, calling me forth in a, in a new direction, here's what I can promise you. It will never violate God's word. He's never going to lead you in a way that somehow contradicts this new covenant reality that we are walking in by faith and through grace. It is always going to be in alignment 
with God's word. And so what did they do? Well, they did four things, four really smart, wise, and very practical things, things that you and I can actually do. They're skills that spiritually mature people develop. They included other people in their stories, wise, faith-filled people. They took as long as necessary to have conversations about this very important conflict, these competing ideas. And then they went back and they remembered what God had done in their story and they rehearsed what God had said in his word. And they came to this amazing and beautiful conclusion. It's in verse 19 of Acts 15. So James, when he's done reading this scripture from Amos, he says this, and so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. This is my judgment. This is what I have discerned. This is the direction I believe we need to go. And what we find is that it was affirmed also by the whole church in the story. Because right at the conclusion of this, the whole church is gathered and they actually are the ones that chose those who are now going to take the report back to Antioch and give them this amazing report that says, this really seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. We have discerned, and I hope you rejoice with me as they did as well, that you rejoice that they chose to say we are new covenant people. We are not bound by the regulations of the old covenant. We are now grace-filled, faith-filled people who are following after Jesus. Now listen, friends, these four very practical things I believe that we can all do. But it's not like a magic formula, right? It's like, hey, just do these four things and any decision you ever, you know, have, it's going to be quickly answered and and you're going to be following after Jesus. I, I I don't think it's a magic formula. In fact, there's even things that aren't in the story that they probably did. They probably prayed, right, during that time of long discussion. It doesn't say it, but man, we, we should be submitting all these things to prayer. I don't believe this is a magic formula, but here's what I do believe. These are the kinds of skills that we can all develop to become mature followers of Jesus. People who aren't babies, right? Who don't know how to, how to discern what is right or wrong. And we need this today, friends, more than ever. Let's pray right now that God will lead us on a pathway of spiritual maturity as we learn to be discerning people and as a church, people who together follow after God. Jesus, thank you. Lord, that by your spirit, by your word, and Lord, even through natural means like talking to other people for a long time about important things, Lord, you will lead us. Lord, you are the good shepherd. And Lord, we want to be that flock who hears your voice and who follows after it. Jesus, thank you for speaking to us in ways that we can hear. 
Lord, because you never want us to walk in confusion. You never want us to walk along paths where we don't know where we are going. Lord, you are that shepherd who is going to lead us by your voice. And Jesus, any who are with us today that are like saying, I am not exactly sure how to come into relationship with Jesus. Lord, would you help us to remember what they remembered here in this story? That Lord, it was because you went to the cross for us that it is your grace is now available for all. Listen, no matter what you may have done in your lifetime, Jesus wants you to know he has already covered it. He has already covered over all sin, all brokenness, all shame. What we need to do is to turn to him and say yes to Jesus. Jesus, yes, I receive. And he, what we see in this story is that he doesn't wanna complicate your life by adding regulations and things that don't fit. It says that his burden, the burden that he gives us is one that fits and it's one that leads us to rest. I believe that as you take turns in your life and make decisions to follow after Jesus, it's not just gonna please him. It's gonna please you as well. Listen, today, if you are saying yes to Jesus, maybe you're online right now and, and we have some, some of our pastors that are online with you. And, and if you just say, hey, I would love to know more about this. I'd love to pray with someone. And they're gonna give you some really simple, helpful things of how you can begin to engage, not only with them, but with, with us as a church. And if you just say, hey, I'd like some more resources to explore this further. We have a really... A helpful pamphlet. It's called Yes. It's about how to say yes to Jesus. And we'd like to make that available to you. You can read it right on our website. If you just go to sm4.org slash yes, you're going to see that all, all that helpful information for you to keep saying yes to Jesus. But if you'd like one in print, we'd like to send one to you. So just let us know. Go on our website, right on the homepage, you're going to see a virtual connection card. You can reach out to us and say, I'd like more information. Can I get one of those yes booklets? We'd be happy to mail one to you anywhere in the world. We're gonna do our best to get it into your hands. Church, you are loved. We are followers of Jesus. And next week, I'm excited that we're gonna have the conclusion to this series on what it means to become his church. See you next Sunday. You are loved. Have a great week.